Hey everybody, welcome back to the studio. I've got a fresh new farm to table message for you to enjoy today. This is gonna be 100% organic, non-GMO, free range preaching. I understand the irony that I am delivering this to you via technology. However, I think the subject matter is still valid. What we're going to discover together today is that Jesus is teaching a parable to the extent that you have no idea what may, God may produce through a single seed of faith. I'll say that again. You have no idea what God may produce through a single seed of faith. So my job this morning is that of a spiritual seed sower. I'm going to throw you some good seed from God's Word. However, that seed will do no good if you haven't prepared your soil. We need to take a moment to prepare our hearts for God's Word. And so I'll quickly pray here and ask God to do what only He can do and help deliver this message in a way that's applicable to you and where you're at this morning. So pray with me. God, thank you for the message of your Word. Thank you for everything that you want to do in our lives, even in this time. God, we are still somewhat perplexed by everything that's happening, and we're asking you to do what only you can do and resolve this quickly. Help us be able to get back to normal in our lives. Help us be able to still minister to one another. God, wherever we have found ourselves this morning, we're asking you to encourage us, give us hope, help us see these things from your word. Help us be an impact in the community that you have placed us. And God, we are so thankful for everything that you are doing and will continue to do. We're most mindful of the free gift of salvation through your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. I'm calling this sermon from panic to patience. From panic to patience. So if you brought your Bible, go ahead and grab it. Luke chapter 13 is where we're going to be. You can also follow along there on your notes if you printed those out. But if you're just joining us, what we've been doing over these five weeks together is exploring some of the parables that Jesus taught. We believe that there's a meaning hidden in plain sight to these parables. And this morning, we're going to try and discover the meaning of the parable of the mustard seed. Now, as I got into this, I got rather excited exploring mustard. And so I want to lay some groundwork for you with regards to the mustard plant. You should know the word mustard is a contraction formed from two Latin words. The Latin words are mustum ardens. It means burning must, which I know that sounds weird. It sounds like when you're hanging out with your grandpa or some of his old man friends and they got that cologne on, you know what I'm talking about? That burning must and in your nostrils there becomes a burning must, but the uh, Latins didn't know anything about that. What this is a reference to is the spicy heat of the crushed mustard seeds and the Roman practice of mixing those ground seeds with a must, must being the unfermented juice of wine grapes. That's how they used to prepare the condiment of mustard. Thousands of years ago, the Romans, even before the time of Jesus, they would grind seeds up, the mustard seed, and mix it with wine must until it became a paste. And the paste became such a popular condiment that the Romans took the mustard seed to Gaul where they planted it 
in these famous vineyards next to the grapes. In fact, in French monasteries, some years later, they cultivated it and sold it uh, to the public. In roughly 960 AD, Pope John Twelfth was so fond of mustard that he created a new Vatican position called the Mutuadie du Papel, or Mustard Maker to the Pope. He promptly filled the post with his nephew, who happened to be from the region of Dijon, which that should sound familiar, because 800 years later, in the 1770s, Maurice Gray and Antoine Poupon introduced the world to Gray Poupon, Dijon Mustard. Matter of fact, if you're a super fan, you can still go see their original store in downtown Dijon. I would not recommend traveling there traveling there currently but american mustard or yellow mustard or ballpark mustard as it's sometimes called it didn't come around until 1904 that year george j french developed a milder tasting mustard that he thought would be more suitable to the american palate which if you're wondering how successful that was a couple of years ago the spice company, McCormick, you've maybe heard of them. They bought French's mustard for, catch this, $4.2 billion for mustard. The appropriate business vernacular for that transaction is called cutting the mustard. You see what I did there, cutting. With that fresh in your mind... Watch this, Luke chapter 13. Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Now we've got just two verses here, four sentences, but they are perhaps some of the most profound of Jesus' ministry particularly when you consider what Jesus is trying to help his disciples understand. That is patience as they wait for the kingdom of God to be manifested in this world. See, that's what most Jewish people were waiting on, the kingdom of God to come. And for many Jews, they're still waiting on it. Most Jews believe in a militaristic rule and reign of the Messiah. And in fairness, this is not entirely their fault. The Bible does say that one day Jesus will come, the Messiah will come as a warrior king and set up his eternal kingdom in a new Jerusalem. But that's the last step of the progression. There are some other things that need to happen first, which is why the words of Jesus about patience are so crucial even for us today. Because when it comes to the things of God, there's not going to be some sudden shift that fixes everything. The Jews thought the kingdom would come in a flash. Most Christians believe that when Jesus saves us, our lives will immediately be different. But that's only partially true. Because sanctification happens in stages. But we're not taught to think in stages. We're not taught to think and trust the process. Our culture says you should get whatever you want, whenever you want it. Ramesh Sitamaran, he's a computer science professor at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. He recently examined the viewing habits of 6.7 million internet users for a study that was released last fall. Question was simple. 
How long were subjects willing to be patient? The experiment was straightforward. How long would subjects wait for a video to load on the internet? And the answer, under two seconds. After that, they started clicking off this site, abandoning the survey. That's what Ramesh found. I'm sure you've experienced this in your quarantine. You sit down to watch a show on Netflix, and if it doesn't load right away, you're like, forget it. Plus, Netflix is teaching you to be even less patient because they've sped up your binge watching by giving you the ability to skip the intro and not watch commercials, and your next episode will begin automatically in 3, 2, 1, and science is proving that your brain is being re-hardwired to become less patient. But Jesus wants you to know some things just take time. Some things grow slowly. I like how Warren Buffett said it. He once remarked that you can't produce a baby in a month by getting nine different women pregnant. I'll pause to let that sink in. In other words, stop trying to short-circuit everything. To that point, you know why drive throughs created two lanes in the drive through You've seen this at Chick-fil-A or Freddy's or McDonald's where there's two ordering stations. And you know why they did that? It has nothing to do with speed. Although they did find that some people's wait times were shorter, but that's all dependent upon the person in front of you. Because if the soccer mom in her minivan has no idea what she wants, and if she's got a whole litter of children back there trying to figure out if they want chocolate milk or apple juice, it's going to take forever no matter what. But the two lines were not about a shorter wait time. That wasn't the goal. The goal was to make you think that the restaurant wasn't as busy as it actually is. The point of the lines was all about tricking your brain. Because if you were going to McDonald's in Newton in the 90s and they just had one lane and you saw the traffic backed up all the way to Main Street and down Main Street, you're turning around because nobody wants to wait, including Jesus' disciples. It was the question that they asked the moment that Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to them in their presence. In Acts chapter 1, verse 6, they gathered around Jesus and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So here's my point. You might want to jot this down. Faith tells us to have patience when everything else tells us to panic. Faith tells us to have patience when everything else tells us to panic. What did the disciples do after Jesus was crucified? They panicked. They locked themselves away in a room. What have most Americans done in the wake of COVID-19? They've panicked, hoarded toilet paper and hand sanitizer. They're demanding an immediate pill or uh, instant immunization because panic incites impulsiveness. Faith does the opposite. Faith invites peace. Now, some friends of mine who are more familiar with farming, they tell me that my farming analogies are incorrect and unhelpful and that I should stay away from them. But if I were to keep with the farming metaphors just one more time, because Jesus likes them, friends, I would say we live in a world where we want to harvest before we plow. That's the culture that we live in. We want to harvest before we plow. I'm not, I might not know much about farming, but I know you got to plow before you harvest. Yet very few people want to do the hard work of plowing. 
Even few, fewer people have the patience to let things grow. And because we're such an immediate response culture, nowadays we want to modify DNA so that we can get plants to grow faster with less water. And instead of doing the hard work of pulling weeds, we want a chemical that's going to kill all those things. And closer to home, we're taught to buy it before we can afford it and sleep with it before we put a ring on it and manipulate it for your benefit. Jesus' brother picks up on this when he writes, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be anxious and panic? No, what's he say? Be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. From panic to patience. Faith tells us to have patience when everything else tells us to panic. So one of my quarantine projects here uh, is I'm trying to put a rock path down from my driveway to my garden. There's not much grass there, and when it rains, it's just a sloppy, muddy mess. I can't get a wheelbarrow back there, and which now that I'm begrudgingly homeschooling my kids, I told them the other day, it's time for science class, and we're going to dig a path, and we're going to look for worms, and we're going to learn about the volume of dirt and the mass of rock, and then all of a sudden we got transitioned into math class because we need to figure the distance and add landscape border. And during these academic lessons, they just kept asking questions and complaining about how hard it is and why don't we have a tractor and finally had to stop them and say, why are you constantly trying to make everything easier and faster? You're wasting your brain power. Some things just take time. And I can't help but wonder if God isn't trying to teach you something about His kingdom during this quarantine. And instead of figuring out the fastest and easiest way to get through it, maybe you should slow down and just acknowledge that some things just take time. And we should all ask, God, what can I learn during this? And of course, we're going to pray for an immediate action on God's part to resolve all of this, but maybe God is telling you to take some time to finally write that book, or compose that song, or get that project done, or set some new goals, and plan for the future, and learn how to slow down with patience, and trust Him, and have faith. I think one of the primary questions you consider while we're all locked up is, do you trust God enough not to panic? Because that's the place where God wants to lead you. And you need to understand that it's going to take some time. The people in Jesus' day were anxious to know, what's the kingdom of God like? And he says it's like these little mustard seeds. Arguably the smallest seed that the Israelite people would have been familiar with. Jesus says, over time, it's going to grow. And one of the largest plants that you'll see in your garden, large enough for birds to nest in. And what Jesus is really trying to get them to think about was how the consummation of the kingdom will be amazingly out of proportion from how it begins. Like you're not even going to see what's going on. 
And then all of a sudden, bam, there's a tree from a little mustard seed all the way up to an enormous tree. Write this down. The hardest thing to discern in life is when patience is about to turn into procrastination. The hardest thing in life to discern is when your patience is about to transition into procrastination. See, our challenge as people of faith is to synchronize our faith with God's schedule. Let me say it this way. The reason most people panic is because they don't trust God's timing. And since we're such a heavenly results-based people, if we can't see it, then we don't feel safe in it. And we want something right away. How much easier would 30 days of quarantine be if God would say, hey, you've got 30 days, but at the end of this, the economy is going to rebound and it's going to flourish and you're going to get back to work and it's going to be like normal for most of you. You just have to be patient, but we don't want to be patient. We say, well, God, if I could see your schedule, I could be ready with the right tools. Yet that's not the lesson that God is trying to teach us. The lesson God has for us is about faith and trust and going one step at a time and doing a little bit of work because sometimes faith takes effort, right? That's why it's so hard to discern. When do I need to be patient? And when is this about to let me push forward? Because we want our patient, we do not want our patience to turn into procrastination. Some things are going to take time. So here's a simple example. How many churches do you think a couple years ago were like, man, I should really start figuring out how to stream my services, and I should really figure out how to give my people the opportunity to give online, but they put it off, And there were surely folks on the board who were like, well, we don't need to spend all that money and we don't need all this technology. And now they're scrambling because their procrastination didn't lead them into a place where they could fulfill their purpose. Patience turned into procrastination. How many times have you said, I should really start saving and I should really start investing emotionally into my family And I should really get healthier physically and figure out how to work out on my own. And now that you're on your own, own, you're like, well, I have no idea what I'm doing. It's the difference between patience and procrastination. Some of you are procrastinating under the auspices of I'm being patient. I'm just trying to wait on God. And once God tells me what to do, I'll do it. And God's like, no, you have everything you need. Where are you? What are you waiting on? Your mustard seed is ready to grow into a tree, but you're not prepared. Now, I don't have a great answer to this quandary because it's going to look different for all of you, but here's a couple of ideas how to lead out of patience in order to avoid procrastination and panic. Here's the first thing you can do. You need to realize that patience and panic aren't just spiritual problems. Patience, impatience, and panic They are physical problems. I think you'll be way more apt to change if you recognize what impatience and panic does to your body. A study in 2016 found that impatient behavior, what I would call panic, was actually linked to people having shorter telomeres, the part of our DNA that influences how our cells age, suggesting that being more impatient might actually speed up the aging process in our bodies. Now let that sink in. Your panic is literally reprogramming your body 
to grow older faster and die sooner. And you're like, well, that just caused in me more panic, Pastor. I know. But you need to recognize it's bad so that, secondly, you can reframe what you're going through. That is to say, when you're feeling impatient or you're feeling panicked, I need you to ask yourself, how can what I'm going through lead me to my purpose? We need to know that it's not helping us physically. It's not helping us mentally. So how does putting up with whatever delay or frustration you're facing, how does it ultimately get you to where you want to go? I think if you can answer that, you'll understand there's more going on than what you're seeing. This is my seed turning into a tree. You know, you can't stand there and watch a plant grow, but over time, you can start to see it develop. I'll remind you how, you start, how we started this morning. You have no idea what God was able to do and produce through a single seed of faith. So shortly before this exchange in Luke chapter 13, Jesus shows us something else about all this. And in Luke 8, 1, it records this. Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about what? The kingdom of God. See, all the people, all the healing, all the parables, all the ministry, all the disturbances vying for Jesus' time, they were all filtered through the lenses of the kingdom. How does this moment lead me to my ultimate purpose? When you ask that, you won't panic. Jesus never panicked. When you can answer that, you're not going to procrastinate. Jesus never procrastinated. He knew his final purpose was to get people to recognize the coming kingdom. He wasn't worried about how long or short it was going to take, so long as he was headed in the direction of his destiny. Surely you realize by now that this mustard seed parable couldn't be any more accurate. I mean, we have over 2,000 years of human history showing that God's kingdom was not fully ushered in the moment Jesus rose from the dead. Talk about taking some time. But put yourself in the moments after Jesus' resurrection. Set yourself on the streets of Jerusalem looking for the kingdom. The kingdom. It's virtually invisible. I mean, there's nobody who would sort of looking from the outside in at Jesus and his disciples and his apostles. There was nobody who would say, wow, I see a king and a kingdom in these men. That's why the whole idea of Jesus being a king was so ridiculous to the Romans. That's why when they crucified him, they mocked him by putting a placard above his head, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. It was ludicrous. It was an absurdity. There was no visible way to see the kingdom. It was obscure. It was unclear. There was no pomp. There was no show. There was no Prince Ali. There was no worldwide publicity. There was no power, no sovereignty, no resources, no money, no buildings, no facilities, no nothing. It was a mustard seed doing its work in the soil. We didn't see it grow, but now we've seen its fruit, right? What's Jesus say? The birds are going to nest in the tree. What's that? It simply means that the nations of the world are going to find a resting place of protection and security and blessing because of the influence and growth of Christianity. 
you can clearly see that happening in the world today. And here's what I'm trying to drive us at. It's not great faith that we need, but small faith in a great God. It's not great faith that you need, small faith in a great God. Over in the 17th chapter of Luke, in verse 20, it says some Pharisees came to question Jesus. And it says that he was questioned by one Pharisee in particular about when the kingdom of God was going to come. And so he asks that, when is the kingdom of God going to come? Which that ought to tell you one thing. It should tell you that they didn't think it was there in that moment, right? They couldn't see it. But Jesus answers the Pharisee like this. The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. It's not going to be visible. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God, it's within you. It's within you. It's here, inside your heart. It's the redeemed people of God who are under the authority of King Jesus. You can't see it. There aren't going to be trumpets announcing it. There's aren't going to be, there isn't going to be armies marching around. There isn't going to be loud music. There's not going to be any palaces right now. But it's here. It's small. It's a seed in your heart, hidden. But it's not going to stay that way. That's why you can't panic. That's why you can't procrastinate. God is calling you to believe in the power of His Son and His Holy Spirit. And when you accept that free gift of salvation, because you can't earn it, you just have to accept it. When you do that, God's Spirit literally takes up residence in your life so that you can get to work, assisting God in ushering in His kingdom here on earth. It's why Jesus will say, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, move, and it will move. It's not great faith that you need. Small faith in a great God. See, you are God's ambassador here on earth. You are called to make a difference. When everybody else is panicking, you shouldn't panic. When everybody else is procrastinating, you shouldn't procrastinate. What do we do instead? We have small faith in a great God. How does that look practically? We'll jot this down. Consistent actions bring about consistent results. Consistent actions bring about consistent results. It's the small things over and over, that bring about the biggest change. It's getting up every day and reading the Bible. It's about praying all the time. It's texting members of your group. It's playing games with your kids. It's having real conversation with your spouse over and over and over. It's understanding some things just take time. What if you, what if you don't get your old job back? What if your spouse doesn't want to work things out? What if your kids never call again? What if you never get better? Do you trust God enough to create a tree out of that small mustard seed? Do you have faith in His timing? Do you have faith in His purpose? Are you wanting to accomplish the things of God? Then it's time to get to work. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing us this platform where we can come and gather together as your people, that we can still receive the seed of your word, 
And we're asking you now again to do what only you can do and encourage us while still challenging us. Help us understand that in this moment we still need to be growing. Even as we're a bit isolated, we still need to be investing. We need to ask ourselves, how is this leading me to my purpose? How am I still getting better? How am I growing you? How am I growing your kingdom? God, nothing has changed in your plan. You still desire for us to grow and become more mature and be your disciples here on earth and help people understand the good news of Jesus, that we can have hope, that we don't have to panic, that we don't have to procrastinate, that you still are moving, you're still healing, you're still making people new through your power. God, help us get to the place where we recognize that salvation is free, that we can't do anything to earn it. But when we accept this free gift of salvation, we've got work to do to help other people understand that Jesus came to this earth to make a way for us to be reconciled into your presence. That this is a small seed of faith planted in our hearts. We need it to grow and produce fruit. God, please give us opportunities where we can expand your kingdom in these days and weeks ahead of us. Help us use our belief to make a difference. God, again, we thank you and praise you. We look forward to the times where we can come back together. Help us be stronger when we get there. We ask all this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.